Well, this is our third um, sermon uh, on the series of prayer that we've been doing. We skipped last week uh, to honor and to celebrate All Saints Sunday, but we're going to return to it today. And uh, as I've told you before, as we've gone through this, this is a lot of the material that we're covering is based on stuff that I uh, located in this book, which is a couple years old now. It's by a guy named Peter Gregg, and it's a really catchy title. It's called How to Pray. A simple guide for normal people. It's again, it's just one of the one of the, really one of the best books I've ever read on the, on the subject of prayer. Whether you are whether you feel kind of inferior in your prayer life, or whether you've been praying, you know, like a champ for for decades and decades, you can certainly get something out of it. Um, but we're going to continue through it this week, and more than likely, we are going to wrap up next week um, with this prayer series, which is which is pretty cool because actually the following week uh, will be the first Sunday of Advent. As we uh, as we uh, begin begin that Advent season and as we begin a new year in the uh, Christian calendar, so just as a quick quick review, if I can get that slide up there, uh, Lorelai, thank you, ma'am. You are on the ball, sister. Thank you. Um, just a quick review. This is our this, as we've gone through this, we kind of gave you guys this as our as our uh, our prayer model, and it's very our it's very easy to remember. It's the acronym pray P R A Y. And we've already gone over the P, and we've already gone over the R. P stands for pause, and we think of the idea of stillness. That is, you know, just take time to, to center yourself. There's a, popular, there's a popular term, center yourself, before you actually take that time of going into your prayer time with God. A lot of us like to rush into our prayer time and just, you know, just jump right in there. Take a couple moments. Take a couple moments just to sit still in the presence of God, you know. Get rid of all the, our, our minds are so scattered and so all over the place. Get rid of all that stuff that, that, that gets our mind off of God, all that stuff that we've got to do, and our calendars, and all of our worries, and our fears, and our anxieties. Put that stuff to the side for a moment, and just center yourself, and realize that you are in the very presence of God. That's what the P stands for. Just pausing, just being still before we, before we begin our special prayer times with God. And then the R, of course, stands for rejoice. Um, Rejoice and what? Reflect. <laughs> Reflect, which we uh, which we talked about was the idea of adoration or the idea of worship. These are our times of gratitude for God. I told you, you might even incorporate uh, learning to pray the Book of Psalms or a lot of our, a number of the Psalms as you enter, these, enter as you practice the R in this uh, prayer acronym. Many of them, if not most of them, you know, have um, our prayers of, of great gratitude and great thanks. A is for ask, and these are the ideas of, uh, this is where we spend a lot of our time in prayer already. Uh, petition, ask, asking God for things, whether we're asking God, you know, for things for ourselves. And then intercession, of course, is the idea of asking God for um, things on the behalf of other people, which we're also going to be talking about today. And then why we're going to cover next, uh, next Sunday, that's yield. And uh, these cover the ideas of repentance and confession and uh, contemplation. Which, is, as y'all have probably figured out, is one of my favorite areas to talk about. We're gonna, uh, we have talked about several elements or several paths of prayer thus far. I told you there were uh, about nine that we were going to discuss all together. Stillness, adoration, petition, intercession, perseverance, contemplation, listening to God, confession, and spiritual warfare. And I gave you another little... Another little cool little statement that you can always remember about you, uh, when you're regarding your prayer life. As you approach your prayer life, keep it simple, keep it up, keep, keep it real. Keep it simple, keep it up, keep it real. 
You don't have to be an expert prayer to pray to God. We don't have to offer God a lot of fancy words and lofty prayers. Just talk to God like he, is, like he is who he is, like you're talking to a person. They don't have to be a lot of these and thous and, and all of, uh, again, lofty, fanciful prayers. Just be yourself. Keep it real. Once again, be yourself. God knows your heart before you even go into prayer. There's no need to try to hide anything from God. If, you know, if you're feeling mad, tell God you're mad. If you're feeling uh, hurt, depressed, sad, whatever, let God know. Talk to God about those things. He already knows it before you go in there. And keep it up. That's the idea of perseverance. Even when you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. And we're going to expand on that just a little bit uh, this morning. So once again, we've covered the pause. We've covered the rejoice and, deflect and reflect. We've covered the R, which is, again, adoration or worship of God. Today we're going to cover the A, and that is the asking. We're going to be uh, talking about the practices or the elements of petition, intercession, and perseverance. And along with perseverance, we're going to be talking about the idea of unanswered prayer. Why does God not answer my prayer a lot of times? Why does God not answer my prayers the way that I would like him to? We're going to touch on that, and I think, I think we've got some pretty good explanations for those things. Well, certainly we have, if we were honest, I'll ask God those questions. We're going through and basing this kind of on the prayer that Christ taught us, uh, the Lord's Prayer, which I told you is in two sections of the Gospels. There's one in Matthew and there's one in Luke. The one in Matthew is the one that we generally pray. It's a little bit longer than the Luke version. A couple scriptures we're going to look at this morning, though, come from the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And it's just two little verses, verses 10 and verse 11. If y'all want to read or follow along on the screen or through your Bible. All of us are familiar with these. This is towards the beginning slash middle of the Lord's Prayer where Christ teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. It's the word of God for the people of God. Y'all do me a favor. Leave, leave that scripture up there for a little bit, please. Two things that should really jump out to us as we look at these two scriptures. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's kind of the idea of intercession right there. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not praying necessarily for things that I want in my life, but we're praying for the will of God to break through. Your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's where, I, again, our idea of intercession comes from. What's the second part of that? Give us today our daily bread. What do we need for sustenance? What do we need to survive? Food, water. So in this case, that literally means, you know, food. Give us today our daily bread. This is petition. This is praying for ourselves, praying for our, our needs. As our book puts it, the Lord's Prayer begins, we talk about this, the Lord's Prayer begins with adoration, it begins with worship. But in the middle, it is a shopping list of requests for the coming of God's kingdom, for provision of daily bread, for forgiveness of sins, and for deliverance from evil. So once more, petition is basically this, it's basically just the idea of asking God for whatever we need and or whatever we want. And this is, most, this is generally where most of us spend the majority of our prayer time, right? You know, asking me, asking God for our needs, asking God for, for our even our desires sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. 
But this is really, if we were honest, the, you know, where we spend the majority of our time in prayer. And the idea of intercession, like I mentioned earlier, is praying and praying for and on the behalf of other people and or on the behalf of other situations even. Asking things of God that do not pertain to me necessarily. Praying for individuals, praying for groups, praying for our churches, uh, praying for our nation, etc., etc., etc. So those are the two things we're going to start off with. And again, once more, we're going to look at perseverance and the idea of unanswered prayer. Not a lot of, not a lot of need for us to spend on petition and intercession. Uh, again, these are the methods that we uh, generally implore, we are most familiar with, and we most often uh, put into practice ourselves. One thing I do want to point out, though, is that uh, prayers of petition, one thing I do want to point out is that prayers of petition should, and according to Christ, begin with God's will. And I hope that kind of makes sense to you. Prayers of petition begin with God's will and, and the desire to see the fulfillment of God's kingdom. Not for our will to be done. Not my will be done, but your will be done. So that's where our prayers of petition, according to Christ, should really begin. It's not about what I want all the time. It's about what God wants. It's about what Christ wants. It's about us being involved, asking God to involve him in the continuance, really, of his kingdom. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. Above everything, Jesus says that we pray for God's will to be done, for his kingdom to reign on earth. So I highly doubt that he's going to you know, respond favorably to any requests that we might have that go against these things. If our requests go against the will of God, there's about a 100% chance that God's probably not going to answer them you know, in, the, in the positive. On the other hand, maybe one of the most important things that we do need to realize is that God does care about us. When we do go to God in petition, yes, of course, God cares about every aspect of our lives. I don't want to discourage anybody from praying for very specific things for ourselves. Um, because God does care about us. He cares about who we are. He cares about how we are. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, about praying the Psalms and, 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 and stuff like that. You know, God cares if we're depressed. God cares if we're sad. God cares if we're angry. He cares if we're upset. He cares if we're hurting, those types of things. Of course, so anything that I'm saying, please don't think, take that as a discouragement to take these things to God. Absolutely. Absolutely. He cares about every minute detail of our lives. And I admire people who do this. You know, all of these people, I'm sure everybody in this room knows people who kind of model this for us. They kind of model this prayer life for us. They're, they're constantly praying, you know, throughout the day. Um, that really, that, 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 I just love those, those people. And, and, and those people serve as, certainly as our models. When I started this thing, though, when I started this series on prayer, there's one thing, going back to your kingdom come, your will be done. When we started this series, I told you there was one thing I wanted you to remember about prayer. If you didn't learn anything else. If you didn't learn anything else. And I told you that at the end of the day, prayer is about learning to align our will to the will of God. At the end of the day, we can pray for all these things that are going on in our lives. And again... I believe that God wants you to take every minute detail of your life, everything that you care about to Him. Everything. But at the end of the day, it is about, prayer is about learning to align our will to the will of God and not the other way around. Okay? I'm afraid that a lot of us approach God in that manner. We want to conform God's will to our will. And it doesn't work like that. 
even when we don't get what we want, even when things don't turn out the way that we want them to turn out, and we've been praying and praying and praying for certain things to go a certain way. If it's not of the will of God, it's not going to get answered, folks. You get, again, you got about a hundred percent chance of that happening. Okay, so don't be discouraged when that doesn't happen. Remember that God always has your best interest in mind. Maybe y'all can think of times in your life when your prayers have gone unanswered, and you know, years down the line, you understand why why it went that way because God was always working. I can't emphasize that enough. That prayer is about learning to align our wills with God not the other way around. So on to intercession, praying for others. How do we pray for other people? And I've known a lot of people in my life who have just been great uh, intercessory praying people. Um, I've had to learn this practice, since, especially since becoming a pastor. This is not something that I was good at a number of years ago, and I still not, I'm still not great at it. It's, it's something I've really had to put a lot of effort into. But certainly, I'm sure over, this, over the years, we've y'all have known people at Bemis who have just been a praying, prayerful people. People who would grab your hand and they would pray for you whenever they saw that need, no matter where they were, no matter where you were at the time. And they would just say those beautiful, beautiful prayers over you. Richard Foster, who I've mentioned before, the author of Celebration of Discipline, wrote this. He said, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way that we love others. If we love other people, then we're probably going to be drawn to pray with and for other people. Intercessors, according to our book here, are those who stand in the gap. Those who stand in the gap, mediating between heaven and earth as equal friends of both. Pleading with God on the behalf of other people and pleading with other people on the behalf of God. Think about that one for a second. Pleading with God on the behalf of other people, but also pleading with people on the behalf of God, praying your kingdom come, your will be done. One of the most beautiful examples of intercessory prayer that you will find in the Bible, and I'm not going to read it because it would take entirely too long, but one of the most beautiful examples of intercessory prayer you're going to find in the Bible is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. And it's called Jesus's, it's sometimes referred to as Jesus's priestly prayer. And it's a long prayer right there, right there in uh, the Gospel of John. It's a very, very long prayer that Christ prays. And he's praying over his disciples. He's praying on the behalf of his disciples. He's praying over and on the behalf of the church in general. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful model that we have of what real intercessory prayers looks like. And that's all I'm going to mention about intercession. I don't know how else I could expand on that. Jesus, again, gives us a great model of it. And we know what intercession is. Praying for others. I'm scared and I'm worried, though, because over the years I've not seen... It seems that the intercessory prayers in the lives of the church are few and far between. Even people within the church, and I'm not talking about Bemis specifically, but even people within, within the church look at me weird sometimes when I grab their hand and I say, hey, let me pray for you. If we're not in the middle of a church service. Like it's abnormal, like it's weird when we're out in public that I put my hand on somebody's shoulder and say, hey, let me pray for you. What, now? Yeah, now. That's what intercessory prayer is, folks. We just don't pray for one another on Sundays. 
here at the altar, we pray for each other when there's the need. You know, it's, 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 just, it's, it's just as spontaneous as general and as normal as general conversation. Why do we think that is abnormal? It's not. It's the norm, or it should be the norm for the church, for people who call themselves disciples of Christ. That's my preaching. That's my sermon for the day. We're going to move on to uh, your will be done. Your will be done. And then, again, once this, this is kind of also going to serve as our model for the idea of perseverance. Persevering in prayer, even when things don't go the way that we want them to go. And as we all know, they most certainly will not all of the time. Let me give you another example of somebody in the Bible who had a pretty specific and pretty, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? I don't want to say powerful, but very important prayer that went very much unanswered. And the name of that person was Jesus Christ. On the night before he died, he prayed not to die. Y'all remember that? Somebody nod the head. Y'all remember that? Yeah, Jesus prayed not to die. He said, if it be your will, can you remove this cup from me? But if not, but if not, God, your will be done. Jesus Christ himself had an unanswered prayer of death, of misery, of the worst possible death that any of us in this sanctuary could possibly imagine. I imagine Christ was scared. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but yeah, I mean, you've got to remember, Jesus was also fully human as well as being fully divine. He knew what was coming to him. He knew he was going to die, and he knew that he was going to die a brutal and horrible death. So yeah, I'm sure Christ was scared. So what did he pray on that night? God, if you can take this cup from me, please do so. But if not, your will, not mine, be done. To accept the will of God in that situation over my will, you don't think Jesus could have run? He was Jesus. He knew what was coming. But he gave himself. He gave himself to the will of God. There, there's you and Anthony. So think about that next time. You know, we don't get that $1 raise. Think about that, you know, next time we don't get that car that we ask that we ask God for. Even Jesus had a prayer that was unanswered. It's important to remember, folks, that God's will is perfect when it comes to unanswered prayer. It's important for us to always remember. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. God's will is always perfect, and we can trust in God, even in those situations in that moment that we probably do not understand. You know, let me give you one more example, and I'll try, I'll try not to. Uh, I'll try not to bring this up again uh, for a while because I know I brought it up for several weeks now. But I always think about my mom when it comes to unanswered prayer, and I've told you all the story of my mother. Um, I don't understand why she died. I don't understand why she had to die the horrible death that she did. I don't understand why she was sick and as sick as she was and suffered so badly as she did for so many years. Because by all standards, by all Christian standards, my mom was the best person in our family. She was definitely the most loving and compassionate, most Christ-like person in my family. I don't understand why people like my mom die. Why wasn't it me? Or some of my other family members. We weren't as good as my mother was. We didn't have the, the, the heart that my mom did. So I didn't understand that, but I've accepted it. I've accepted it because I know that God's will is perfect. I know that God's will is perfect. Our book says this, 
and it's something that I tend to agree with. Most unanswered prayer can be attributed to three things. God's world, God's war, and God's will. I should have, I should have got the slide for that. But if you want to know about unanswered prayer, we can generally attribute to our prayers going unanswered as, as a result of three, three things. God's world, God's war, or God's will. Let's start with God's world real quick. God has intricately established governing principles in our world that make it work best for most people. Does that make sense to you? God has established certain laws. Think about physics. Think about the laws of physics, for example. These things that make our world work best for most people in most places most of the time. Most of the world doesn't experience devastating natural disaster. Most babies are born healthy. Fallen nature, of course, still contains far more beauty than it does ugliness. But again, I'll come back to this. God has established certain, again, laws. I guess that's the only word that I can think of that govern and run the world. Okay? And, I, and I'll return to the laws of physics, for example, because I think it's a wonderful example. By the way, I'm, you know, I'm, for the most part, I'm not one of these people who think that science and religion are in conflict with one another. I think, uh, I think science reveals the awesomeness of God. I think science reveals the intricacies of God. I think, I think science reveals to us, for the most part, the beauty of God and the, so much detail that God had to, had to put into creation. So much detail that God had to put in the way that all of these things around us work. You know, just think of the birth process. Think of anything. But anyway, for the most part, God is not going to interrupt these things. Because he established these things, for the most part, God is not going to interrupt the way that he has already established these certain laws. Yes, there are exceptions. Certainly we see exceptions in the Old and the New Testament. Certainly, y'all know that I believe in physical healing all day long. And I pray for people's physical healing all day long. Because, yeah, even, even in dire circumstances. Because, yes, exceptions are made. And I'm told to pray for people in those situations. Plain and simple. I don't know the will of God. And I don't know when God will or will not step in uh, to uh, intercede in these situations. So, yeah, that's why I pray for them. But most likely, most likely... He's not going to step in in most circumstances and invade these things that he has already established, these things that he's already created as part of his working order. I hope y'all follow me on that. I hope, I, hope, I hope that makes sense to you because um, it did me. And it, really, it was one of those things that really stood out to me when I, when I was reading through this book is, yeah, that just makes a lot of sense. You know, God's probably, <laughs> God created the law of gravity. He's probably not going to let me float up here. Any part? For example, that's one of the things I'm talking about. Um, and he's, again, he's just not going to, he's not, he's not going to violate these things that, that he has created that, that run the world, these things that he has created that make the world run as beautifully, as wonderfully as it does. Secondly, is God's war is a reason, reason for people, that for uh, prayers not to go unanswered. Some prayers don't go unanswered. Here's the truth, because there's an active enemy at work in our world who is attacking us and who is opposing the work of God. As Christians, we are not immune to evil. We are not immune to evil. We are not immune to spiritual forces. And we are certainly not immune to the, to the work of Satan. 
In fact, we are often targets of these things. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking on this this morning because I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking on it next week. But a lot of times, this is why our prayers aren't, aren't answered. Because there are forces fighting against it. I would say probably more so in the lives of Christians than non-Christians. Okay, I don't know that. I'm speculating on that. I'm guessing on that. There's no proof for that. But I would, I would speculate that's probably a, a good, a realistic statement to make. We're not immune to spiritual attacks, folks. And we're going to continue to face these attacks throughout the world until God's kingdom is finally established fully on earth. We're going to continue to experience it. You know, don't discount that. I don't think we talk enough about the supernatural in churches anymore, by the way. I heard this stuff coming up um, a good deal. But now you start talking about the supernatural, you start talking about demons, and you start talking about spiritual forces, and people get all nervous and jittery and weird. Stuff hadn't changed in 2,000 years, y'all. Y'all want to know why your prayers aren't going answered? You want to know why you're suffering at home sometimes? And I believe this 100% because there are spiritual forces fighting against you. Okay? On the rare, rare, I tell you what, when I first became a pastor, oh my gosh, you know, my wife and I, we don't fight. And I mean that, you know, I, I'm not making that up. <laughs> we are not people who fight, not even verbally. For the most part, we may have an argument from time to time, but they are rare and they are few and far in between. But when I first started answering my call to a pastor, we were fighting like this. It was something every day, something stupid, generally, every day. And you know what we finally realized? Oh, my gosh, we are under attack through some, some kind of spiritual force. And we acknowledge that. Both of us acknowledge that. People outside, you know, because I would talk about what was going on. Just, just crazy, stupid stuff that we would argue about. And uh, Jerry, you're, you're, you're probably under spiritual attack. And I believe that wholeheartedly today. And once I acknowledged that and, uh, and prayed about it, you know, it, it, fi it finally ceased. And we got, we got through those moments. But I believe that all day, folks. So if, you're, if, you're, if your prayers aren't being answered, if you're struggling, um, particularly, I would say, in negative ways, you know, particularly as Christians, if you're suffering, you know, from a lot of fear, for example, or... A lot of anxiety sometimes, and, and, that, and sometimes spiritual. Sometimes anxiety is a spiritual thing. Sometimes it's an emotional or mental thing, and it's hard to figure out. But if you're dealing with anxiety, consider the fact that you're facing spiritual attack. If you're dealing with a lot of depression in your life, and I know that's a medical condition as well, I'm not. I'm not denying that. Sometimes it's a spiritual condition also. If you're dealing with a lot of depression in your life, consider that. Consider that to be at least a possibility, and get some brothers and sisters to pray with you and pray over. And I mean that with all my heart, okay? Lastly, God's will. Some of the reasons, and we've already mentioned this before, but some of the reasons that our prayers go unanswered are simply because they are in opposition to God's good and perfect will. We've already touched on that. We need to always remember that Jesus only promised that he would answer prayers that are aligned with his will and his purposes. Kevin, you guys want to come on up and start playing for me, brother? Why are our prayers not answered? God's world, more than likely, more than likely, he's not going to interrupt the way things work. We are all appointed once to die, for example. We're all, everybody in this sanctuary, nobody in this sanctuary is going to be immortal. I hate to break the news to you. All of us are going to die at some point. Okay? Do I believe that God heals Cancer? Do I believe that God heals horrible, horrible sicknesses? 
all day long, brothers and sisters. All day long, but I don't know when those times are. I'm going to pray for you if you get sick, and I'm going to pray that God breaks forth a miracle in your life. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But we're all going to die, and God's not going to interrupt that. He's not going to stop that. He's not going to make me fly across the sanctuary again. God's war. Why don't our prayers go answered? There's a spiritual war going on us, and we are a source of the attacks. And finally, God's will again. Some prayers simply don't go out, are simply unanswered because they're outside the will of God. Consider those things when you in your in your prayer lives as you persevere in your prayer, and uh, when you don't get your way. All right, when you don't get your way, am I praying something that's outside of God's will? Outside of God's perfect will. Am I being attacked? Am I praying for something that's just too much, too far out there, outside of laws that God's already established? Y'all pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, this morning we we do not know what we ought to be asking of you a lot of the times. Merciful God, you are the only one who knows truly what we need in our lives. All we can do really is just present ourselves to you and open our hearts to you. So that's what we ask for this morning, God. Just give us the desire to pray. To pray for ourselves, to pray for one another. Help us to seek not our will, but as Christ taught us, your good and your perfect will. All the way to the point where we no longer have any desire other than to accomplish whatever that will may be. Gracious Heavenly Father, this morning we ask that you would teach us to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.